take everything you've learned this week and let's make it practical. Are you ready? Let's go in three, two, one. Thanks to Pros for supporting Made For This. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. Hey podcast fam, this is Chloe. And you know, usually you hear my voice with the ads, but today is made for this podcast takeover Chloe edition. Mostly because Jenny called me today and she was like, I, well, actually I called her and I was like, hey, we got to have three, two, one for tomorrow. So as I'm talking right now, it's Thursday night, 7.45 p.m. Before you're listening to this episode, Jenny is busy with Connor and Kate at Texas A&M and Connor is graduating from his senior year of college today. So guess what? It's me and you today. And it is one of my favorite things in the world to just be behind the scenes of this podcast because truly every episode is something that my heart needs and that all of these guests that have been on every teaching episode, every message we've heard from you guys, like it's just hard to believe sometimes that there are that many of you listening out there and Jenny and I don't even really think about the masses like it's when we build this together, it really, truly, um, I think of you listening right now over your kitchen sink. I, I see you driving your car to work on a Friday morning. There's just so many of you out there. It really does feel like family. So I'm really glad you're here today. These new Friday episodes, three, two, one, the heart behind them was to make everything that Jenny taught on Monday and then the guest interview on Wednesday just to take them to the practical level. So here we go. Today's three, two, one is three questions, two verses, and one challenge for your weekend. All right, here we go. Question number one, what does family mean to you? That's a good one. That's a hard one, you guys. Get a journal out for that one. Ready for number two? How can you build family relationships with people outside of your family? And number three, what would it look like for you to stay when it gets hard? And then our two verses for today. Number one, God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Psalm 68, 6. Number two. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 1 Timothy 5.8. And the challenge for the weekend. All right. I'm here to tell you, you have to do this this weekend, okay? Like, seriously. I'm saying this on the podcast, and I'm telling you, so you have to hold me accountable I'm going to do this challenge alongside of you this weekend. You ready? Here's your challenge. Is there someone in your family that you need to tell them they're in your inner circle? Or someone who has become family you could thank? Call them this weekend. Okay, I have a little surprise for you too that I pulled out of the archives because Jenny has been teaching about Find Your People for a long time. And she did this breakout session for a leader cohort about transparency and vulnerability and why it is so important for us to be vulnerable with our people. So y'all are going to love this. You ready for a little surprise bonus? 
Here's Jenny teaching on the importance of vulnerability. So one of the number one things we hear from you as leaders is that leadership feels lonely. Leadership is lonely. I think about Jesus's life and while he had his people, there was a lot of times it felt like he was frustrated with his people and correcting his people. And, and yes, he loved them and he called them friends and he, he ministered beside them. But there is something about leadership that, that does cost us in the way of relationships. I remember somebody that I really respect and was in public ministry and leadership saying one time that her biggest cost when it came to living out the calling that God had put on her life and leadership was that she didn't have very many close friends. And I am a friend person. In fact, this is what I think about a lot. In fact, it was the main reason that I was shy about getting into leadership. I remember one night specifically when I, my, my calling was clear and, and even the direction and the, the strategy of that calling and the specific assignment that God had given me in that season was, was getting clearer. And I started realizing, oh gosh, this is gonna cost me a lot of time, a lot of energy, and it's probably gonna affect and change my relationships. And it did. But on that night, I remember just crying with some of my friends and praying about that and just saying, you know, begging them like, please stay my friend through this, whatever this meant that I was headed into. I had no idea. And, and sure enough, a lot of those friendships have lasted, but a lot of them haven't. And a lot of those people um, have, have hurt me and I have hurt them along the way. And so what we're gonna talk about today is relationships. Some of you may know I have worked on a project for the last year and a half plus called Find Your People. And specifically I did this because we are in, a midst, in the midst of a lot of loneliness. It feels like post-COVID, we are lonelier than ever. And the statistics show that. But in my research, both biblically, historically, scientifically, what I realized really quickly is that there's two main reasons that we guard ourselves from other people. And I think these two reasons actually um, are more prevalent in leadership than they are in real life. Because I think as leaders, we are more quick to guard ourselves than everybody else because there's more on the line. If a leader struggles with something, this happened to me as a pastor's wife of a small church plant that my husband and I led. And when, when a family in our church had a disagreement with me um, and specifically brought it to me and we had to do this out together and I shared things in the past with this friend that was really personal, Fast forward, we're in this argument and she shares that with other people, things that I had shared in confidence in a safe minute with her. And then all of a sudden now it is being used against me in the world. It is horrific and painful because not only did that person betray you, but now they betrayed you in front of a lot of people that, that you lead and that now question your leadership and question you and, and wrestle with you. And it may or may not even be true what they're sharing about you. And so I just, I wanna just say that I get it, that what I'm gonna say today, this, these things, these barriers to close relationships that we're gonna talk about today, they're a part of my life. I have to fight these two things every day. In fact, when I headed into this project, I realized that my biggest barrier was that I did not want to need people. Now, I did not want to need people for the two reasons we're gonna talk about today. And I also didn't wanna need people because I didn't wanna be a bother. And I remember one of my good friends, Jessica Honiger, who also is a leader. She leads a company called Noonday. I remember after I moved, 
we were really committed to, to continue to walk through life together. And I said to her shortly after I had moved to Dallas, how can I be a good friend to you? And I expected her to say to call once a month or, or maybe we could get a trip on the calendar and spend some time together or do this or do that. And that's not what she said. She said, one thing, I need you to need me. And that felt way more complicated and way more tender and way more difficult because I can plan a trip, I can plan a phone call, but I am not good at even feeling my own need more or less expressing it to someone else. And I think as leaders, we're almost trained and conditioned to not even feel our own need, to just press forward. And especially in times like this where we have so much need and it feels like so much is pressing in that we just push forward and we don't think about it and we don't grieve and we don't feel anger and we just try to do the next right thing. And, and in doing that, we push the people away that we need and that need us. When I was doing this, this work and researching, you know, it was so clear in the scriptures that God built us for community. The whole book is about Jesus and, and then living out his ways on this earth with people. And it's about a lot of disasters with people and a lot of incredible journeys with people. And, and I would say um, that's how life always is, right? People are, are the best of life and the hardest parts of life. And, and so when you, when you read though about God's plan, you start from Genesis and you, and you see that he existed in community in himself, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then you see that he creates out of love and community. First in the angelic realm, we have evidence of, and then next he builds a human, he sets them on the spinning planet. And, and he says that it is not good for man to be alone. It's the first thing he says about man. So, so we know that in his very essence, he is a communal God and in his creation, he built us to be communal people. We are relational because God is relational and he built us. And he knew that life would be most full in relationship with him first and then in relationship with others and, and in that order, specifically in that order because we tend to get something called codependent when we go to other people to try to meet our needs. It, it really just never works out, trust me. It's way longer subject than I can deal with right now, but it is an issue. And so we go to God first in relationship with him, regular prayer, relationship, walking with him, not just a quiet time in the morning, although that's part of it, but day in and day out asking him, what do you think about this? Taking a burden to him, thanking him for the beauty of, of whatever it is, the creation you're walking through or the people that, that you're engaging with. It's meant to be an ongoing personal relationship with God and then with people. It's the only two eternal things. It is God and people, they will go on forever. So, so we invest in those two things, right? However, right now, our walls are up. Our walls are up physically. We're distanced from each other. We've had to wear masks. We've had to separate. We've had to isolate. And so just even just the nature of what we've just been through, we are, we are more isolated than we've ever been. But then I think that's just really a symbol for the greater epidemic of our generation that was a problem before COVID ever started, which is loneliness. You can look at the science, it's, it's three in five people feel lonely. That was before COVID. So I'm just imagining that number only escalating when all the research comes in post COVID. So, so we have a major problem and it is that we are disconnected, independent and isolated from each other. And there is a reason. So Jesus 
you know, spirit, father, in in eternity past, they exist together in a relationship called the Trinity. And, and they create out of that a man, and then they create a helper suitable for him in Eve, and the two of them do life together. They're a team on mission together. And there were five important qualities that you see in Genesis that they had together, and you can see them in all healthy relationships, communal living throughout history. Proximity, they lived close to each other, face to face in relationship, not digitally, they were actually physically present with each other and with God. Number two, transparency. They were fully known. They were naked and unashamed, Genesis says. So they were fully known by God. They were fully known by each other. And number three, accountability. They lived in submission to their God and creator. They knew him. They walked with him in the garden. And then number four, they were on mission. They had a purpose. God set them in the garden and said, cultivate it. Take care of the animals, name them. Take care of the garden, cultivate it. And so they had an important job and it was to take care of the earth and the creatures in it. And then fifth, they were consistent. They had time, margin with each other and they committed and stayed even when it got really messy later. God stayed and was consistent with them. So you see these five patterns in Genesis. You see these five patterns throughout civilizations and history. But what breaks those patterns down every single time <laughs> Is two things, and what, what you see happen in Genesis 3 is the fall. And when you get to the fall, some incredible things break down. In fact, almost all five of those things break down. So the enemy, the serpent, comes to Eve and questions God's sovereignty and his faithfulness and says, did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? The one thing that God had asked them not to do, they, they rebel against him and they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Adam and Eve rebel and the fall comes and sin enters the story. And, and as you all know, it's still around and has gone on pretty strong, had a strong game and showing ever since. And so in the fall though, what you see is a breakdown of those five things. You see walls go up between God and man and his creation. You see them hide, they go hide. They're, they're now, they realize they were naked and they're ashamed. So shame enters. I would, I would argue that the greatest enemy to relationships actually is not rooted mostly in our sin because our sin has been covered and forgiven. I would, I would argue that it is mostly found in the enemy of shame. The shame is the thing that, that lives with us and attacks us from the inside out and it affects our relationships because we no longer trust each other and we have to hide from each other and hide from God. God was prepared to deal with their sin, but people never deal with their shame they, they live with it. It's like the air that we breathe and we just don't even realize that we have it. Kurt Thompson is the best author that I know on this subject. He's changed my life in thinking about that. He shaped so much of it. And he talks about how shame is the enemy that comes for us and, and it is the enemy that stays with it at us and we barely even know it's there anymore. It just, it just soaks into our pores and it, it's, it's tainted our relationships. It's tainted everything about the way we relate to God and the way we relate to each other. So, so there is, you know, and some of you are going, I don't feel shame. So it's just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't sit in my junk. I don't think about it. I'm a pretty good person. Let me just tell you, that's a lie you created because of shame. The reason we can't even be in touch with our own sin and our own mistakes is because we have been conditioned to live perfectly and to pretend that we are perfect. So we have to keep up this wall and this pretense that, that we're okay. And it sends off this message to everybody. She doesn't need me. 
I'm okay. Guess what? You aren't, and nobody else is either. We're all struggling. And the, the crazy thing about struggle is it's actually, it's actually the greatest soil for connection. It's the greatest soil for connection because when we need each other, when we need something from someone else, all of a the sudden there is what, what my friend Jessica would say is there is now something that is knitting us together that is more than a monthly phone call. It's, it's a relationship. It's a regular knowing that, that I can move in and help her because she has let me know what she needs most. Most of you have probably heard us rave over Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. And for those of you that haven't, I want to tell you about the incredible results I'm seeing since using my customized Pros products. So I'm on my second formula with Pros because every batch of shampoo, conditioner, you get to take their custom hair quiz every time for different seasons, whether it's really dry outside or humid. My hair has never felt shinier and stronger and smoother than it has since I've used Pros. I personally love their Botanica fragrance. It smells like a spa or like a resort. And so every time I use it, I get really excited to use my shampoo and my conditioner. And we've teamed up with Pros and they're offering 15% off your first order at pros.com slash made for this. Our friends at Pros know there's more to you than just your hair type. So they have given over a million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz. And so this is how I got started. They ask you some actually really surprising questions about your zip code, your eating habits. They analyze over 85 personal factors and pros will determine a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. Then after you use it, they have a review and refine feature and it lets me tweak my formulas for any reason, like if I change my address, my hair color, or even my diet. So as I've gone into the summer, my shampoo, my conditioner has a totally new formula that is more adapted to the Texas heat and humidity. If you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care that you've ever had, they will take all the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash made for this. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash made for this for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. The shame builds a wall says we don't need anything. Adam and Eve, they go from God, they, they hide, which is not very reasonable considering God is omnipresent. But anyway, they, they pretend that, that, that they can hide and they, they go and they hide and they, they find leaves and they cover themselves with leaves because they realize they're naked and, and it just isn't very effective. <laughs> it isn't very effective. And so they come out with their cute little new outfits and they're like, hey, so you know, God calls to him, so he wants to reconnect with them. He wants to, he wants to deliver them from that shame. He wants to build back the relationship that he had with them. But they're hiding and they're covering. And he said, hey guys, that's not gonna do it. This division, this divide is, is bigger than some little fig leaves can cover. So I'm gonna slay this animal right in front of you. You're gonna see the blood, you're gonna see the guts. I'm gonna take the skin off of it and I'm gonna cover you with that skin. And that will represent the promise that one day a seed will come that will cover the sins that have separated you and me. That's the story of the gospel. And that seed came in the form of Jesus. 
And it says in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because of the blood that he shed for us, that it would be payment for our sins so that we could be right with him. And then he promised that you would have abundant life, that Christ, if he sets you free, you are free indeed, scripture tells us. So, so he sets us free of shame and sin and guilt so that we can hide, so that we can keep acting like we're okay, so that we can pretend we got all together, so that everybody respects us and everybody likes us. We're a good leader. And everybody says, you know what? She deserves to be there. No. So that we could tell the story of such a great salvation. Not be bound by our shame anymore, but only because Jesus saved us from it. Not because we somehow measured up and did the right song and dance with the right fig leaves and somehow now we are okay with each other and God, that's not how it works. Adam and Eve tried it and God said, nope, that's not enough. That's not sufficient. I'm gonna cover you. I'm gonna make this right. See, we don't have to have an enemy in shame, but we choose it every single day that we hide we choose it over and over again, and we think that that is living, and that is not living. That, that statement that Jessica said, I need you to need me for us to be close, it was a statement I have heard many, many times in my life. In fact, I have lost friends, more than one, because of that exact same statement, you act like you don't need me. And I'm tired of being in a one-way friendship. And so when she said that, everything in me tensed up because I thought, okay, she's about to quit me too. See, this enemy that, that the enemy creates for us, sometimes it's, it's unknowing. We don't even realize that we're doing it. We don't realize that we're hiding. For me, it's usually that I'm just not even in touch with what it is that I need. I'm just usually doing the next thing and doing the next thing, and I don't want to think about anything hard because it's not fun and it's not pleasant. And so I have to choose to need people. I have to remember what it is that I'm struggling with and, and to confess it with the Lord and to spend time processing it first in my relationship with God and then taking that to other people. But that discipline, even though it's not comfortable, I've never really like look forward today to like think about what I need and my struggles and my, my, my sadness and my anger and my fears and my sin. I, I don't really ever look forward to that minute or that day, but you know what? Every single time I do it, just did it recently with some friends. We went out to a property where we could be quiet and spend a whole day together. And we spent time with God, we spent time with each other, and they made me talk for over an hour. And guys, I was so uncomfortable the whole time because I thought I was taking up too much oxygen. And, you know, I just, it's not fun. It's just not fun to get put on the spot and asked all these hard questions about my soul and my life and my future and how I'm feeling. And so, but I did it and I stayed and they got me to cry. Just really, they were really proud of that. And I left and I felt so seen and so known and so loved and so supported. And the things that they have been sharing with me ever since that day, the prayers and the speaking into my fears and things I've been worried about have been so spot on because I let myself need them. And in doing that, they were able to, to serve me and to love me and to minister to me in ways that, that they couldn't have before because of shame and me hiding and just not wanting to trouble people, which is just silly and sinful and just like the enemy to cause us to do life alone instead of how God designed it together. We have a choice. Shame doesn't have to define our lives and our stories. 
We have a choice. The sin has been paid for, and then the shame and living in it is up to us. It's up to us if we decide to hide or, or poke little holes in the wall and stick our head out and share a little bit of what's really going on with us. The second reason, and I mean, I'm keeping this really simple, shame and pain. <laughs> These are the two things that keep us from connection with people most often. I know there's others, busyness. I mean, there's a lot. Y'all have shared it all with me. I know. But the two deepest ones are shame and pain. And pain I get because what happens is you brave that little peephole and you stick your head out and you say, hey, I'm struggling with this. And all of a sudden you get dirt in your face, right? Like it's used against you. Just like I shared that story about the person in my church years ago. And, and I get that. I mean, it's happened to me. But I'm going to tell you, even though you get hurt, you do it again. And it's not easy. There's a reason that I hid, and it's not just shame. It's also because I have been hurt and I have learned better than to share everything with people because they hurt us. In fact, I, I would bet even those of you that have walked through possibly um, loss that is unimaginable, you know, death and sickness and possibly bankruptcy or, or things like that that are so difficult, I bet you money harder than any circumstance that you've been through is the ones connected to people. I walked through five years recently where it felt like every single time I turned around, there was a tragedy in my own life or in somebody I loved. And I walked out of that season, I mean, braced for the next really difficult thing that was gonna come. And when I look back at that season, that five-year season of, of just so much difficulty, the one thing that stands out that I actually had to go to the most counseling for had to do not with diagnoses, mental illness that was around me, a very, very difficult situation with a child, a very, very difficult family situation to do with divorce. None of that was the thing I had to go to counseling for. The thing I had to go to counseling for looked minor in light of every other circumstance in my life, but it was the most hurtful thing in that season, and it was the betrayal of people I trusted in my life. Something about the people we let in and we trust and them hurting us is so unthinkable. And guys, what I love is that we have a friend in Jesus that understands that. He was betrayed by his closest people. He invested in the same people for three years and they turned around in his most desperate hour and they stabbed him in the back. In fact, one of them sold him out into his death. And then some of the other ones reject him while he is on trial and going and walking to his death. They, they stand outside and they reject him and say, we didn't even know him. So we have a God that gets this, that gets pain and that gets hurt. And guys, you know what? He did it anyway. He leaned in anyway. He stayed. He faced the cross anyway. Why? So that he could reconcile us to himself. Relationship. Reconciled beautiful, imperfect relationship. It is what this book is about. It is what our God created us for. And there's not a louder narrative in any story than relationship. It is always what you will read a book about or watch a movie about <laughs> every time. It's the people in our lives, the people we love, the people we hate, the people that hate us, the people that want us dead, that want us to you know, go on some adventure with them. These are the stories that, that captivate us and, and we want to be a part of, the hard and the good. We're drawn to it. 
It's who we are. It's how we were built. So how do we change this cycle? How do we end hiding and building these walls that, that separate us? Three things. Number one, accepting these truths. People will disappoint you. They will. Every single one of them, all the time. What makes great relationships is not perfect people. What makes great relationships is staying and working through it and committing to each other anyway. People will disappoint you. And guess what? You will disappoint them. <laughs> A lot of my friendships ended because I disappointed them, because they pulled back, because they got tired of, of me being a disappointment to them. But number three is why we can still do relationship God never disappoints us. So while people disappoint us and we disappoint them, God never disappoints us. And so we enter into relationship with him and then we enter into relationship with others with the knowledge that we're not looking for perfect people. We are trusting a perfect God to be disappointed and to disappoint. The older I get and the more secure I get in the love of God, the more comfortable I am letting people down. Now. I won't say I'm completely comfortable with it. I think that might be a little bit troublesome if I got that comfortable with it because I'm supposed to be right with people, but it doesn't have bondage over me. It's not a stronghold. I wanna live at peace with all men as much as it concerns me and, and I try to live that out as best as possible, but dang it, there are some people that I am not at peace with that will probably laugh pretty hard that I wrote a book on friendship because I flubbed it up with them. There are people that, that I am not at peace with. However, because of God, I lean in anyway, because it's the call on our lives to be in relationship. I let down my walls anyway. I stick my head back out again and share my heart anyway. I need people again anyway, even though they're gonna disappoint me. They don't always, but they do sometimes. So we decide to stay. We commit to a few people, not a million, we weren't built for that. We truly can only keep up with three to five people in the day-to-day, -day, every bit of our lives. We weren't meant to carry the problems of more than about a village, which is 50-ish people to know their names and their kids' names and to help them take care of their people. We weren't built for more than that. And so what we do is we put our heads down and we love the people God gives us. And, and in that, as we go, you will live more beautiful stories and you will live less alone. And here's the exciting part. You have to go first. <laughs> and y'all are about to discuss this together as a group, and I can't wait to hear from you. In fact, please message me and, and find me online and, and let me know how this goes, because I wanna hear the conversations that you have here, especially as leaders, because I know it's especially unique and difficult as leaders to do this. But as we go and live life together, I believe a few beautiful things happen. Number one, we grow and change. We're meant to bump up against each other and to have the rough edges of our lives shaved down because we do life together. And number two, we love and know God more because people with flesh and bone on remind us of his love. There are so many times that I've been in a low place where I feel like it's hard for me to read this book, it's hard for me to pray, and my people have come around me and done it for me. They've read scripture over me. They have prayed for me. They have reminded me of God's truth and his goodness and his grace. Guys, that's how we finish. 
Hebrews says it this way, that, that we encourage each other as long as it is called today so that our hearts are not hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And we do not give up on meeting together and all the more as the day draws near, that, that heaven is coming and, and as it comes nearer, the more that we need to come together in proximity and share our burdens and need each other. It's a vulnerable thing. You will get hurt and it will be worth it. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for people that love you in the world and that wanna love each other. God, would you show each of these women who to love, how to love, and begin in this group right here. Would they, would they be vulnerable? Would they need each other? Would they share the difficulties that they're facing? Would they, would they share the, the last 2% that feels scary to share? And God, would you bring healing as they are brave, as they let people in? And would you give them endurance and perseverance when it turns out to hurt them? We love you in Jesus' name, amen. haven't already, Jenny has a free guide called the Friend Guide, and it has so many of the, like the diagrams and the charts and the worksheets and things from the book in the guide, but it also has new exercises for you to walk through that just help you process different things, that helps you notice the people around you, have deeper conversations, um, log your hours of where you're spending your time. I mean, it's just a, it's one of the most helpful tools that we've made. And it's completely free. And you can go to JennyAllen.com and drop your email in to get the friend guide. But if you want to take this concept of transparency and vulnerability to the next level, Jenny wrote the most brilliant Mad Lib, is what she calls it, in the book. So if you haven't bought your copy of Find Your People, that alone, that Mad Lib alone is worth it. Because it is, it's like a perfect formula of how to share your guts out to somebody else and so if that's hard for you to put language around like it is for me sometimes go get a copy anywhere books are sold you can have that formula and I know it'll help you as you have these conversations with the people in your life thanks for listening today we'll see you next time for another episode of the made for this podcast